thank you for your grace and goodness here this morning, for your word, your word that is truth, that is life to us, that is better than the, the breakfast we ate this morning, Lord, uh, truly satisfying to our souls. Would you help us and guide us as we uh, go through your word, Lord? Show us more of yourself and um, cause us to be in awe of you. Help us to uh, remove our minds in this first exercise here this morning. Uh, from all the distractions, uh, from all of the uh, busyness of the week that was before us. Lord, help us to turn our attention fully to you. Would you um, guide our hearts into uh, a deeper knowledge of your truth and a, a greater appreciation for our Savior? It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right. Well, let's open up to Genesis. I... Um, in full transparency, was not expecting to do this first part. But that's okay, because God's Word is still able to help us along. So, um, Genesis 1, 26 through 27, we'll go, we'll go to the very beginning. Now, think about some of the beginnings. Um, uh, one of my favorite beginnings in literature as a whole it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. You familiar with Dickens, right? Or, or his other writing, um, uh, Marley was dead to begin with, the, the Christmas carol. So th- there are beginnings in literature that stand out, and, and not just in literature, but uh, beginnings that uh, stick in our mind in all of our media and all of our activity, um, for, when we look at like fairy tales, everybody knows the beginning, once upon a time, right kids? Once upon a time. You go to start a story, and that's how I start most of mine, well, once upon a time, because that's nice and simple. Um, there's uh, other beginnings. I'm trying to think of a, a Julie Andrews song. Let, let's see, how's that go? Let's uh, start at the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Right? So, so there's beginnings that stick in our mind as we look across media and literature as a whole. And, and when we go to write, like uh, they say that the hardest part of any type of an essay that we do, or we're trying to write something up, a business proposal, or, or maybe we're, we're just trying to, to write out a, um, a nice little story for ourselves, that they would say the hardest part is both the beginning and the ending. They maybe say this, uh, well, I think they do, uh, with public speaking as well. What's the hardest part of public speaking? The, the beginning and the ending. But the beginning in particular, it's hard to find those words. So how, do I, how do I kick this off? Uh, hi, my name is Randy. I'm from Temple, Texas. Like, you know, anytime you get up in front of people uh, or anytime you go to write down with your pen and your paper, your beginning, uh, maybe you're um, videoing yourself or maybe you're starting up a, a podcast what, what do you start with, with each episode? What, what does the beginning look like? But thankfully, um, Moses, through the inspiration of the Spirit of God, had no trouble with his beginning, and I believe he starts it in the most beautiful way that, that man has written down for any beginning in all of literature. Would you agree? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And when I think about the gospel story as a whole, 
this is absolutely where we have to start. If I take the Bible, right, and come up 30,000 feet, we talk about that a lot in business. We say, let's get a 30,000 foot view. Let's look strategy. Let's look long term. Let's look at the big picture. Make sure we're not missing anything. Got all our cogs in the right spot, right? So 30,000 foot view, the gospel message must start with God. It doesn't start with man. It doesn't even really start with Christ. It starts with God because that's how it starts. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God. And we see God working in Genesis in a way that I want to explore this morning because I find it interesting how, like in this first page, at least in my Bible, Genesis 1, uh, 1 through 30, you touch on almost every hot spot and trigger discussion that our culture is engaged in. Whether you're talking about the marriage and the family and how that's supposed to actually function, whether you're talking about uh, abortion and the life of a child, whether you're talking about creation versus evolution. I mean, just about every trigger, hot spot, hot button issue that you could have in, in all of our culture resides in this first page of Genesis. And so I want us to understand what, what is the primary theme of this first page of Genesis, that when we go into our culture, we may not have the exact answers and the exact arguments against every single one of these topics that come up in our life. We may not. Some of us do. I know some of you brothers have them ready uh, on note cards. You're like, oh, you want to talk about which one? Uh, abortion? All right, let's do it. But not all of us are ready for that. So I want to give us uh, really the foundation for all our arguments, which is... God. God. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And what you see is, uh, verse 3, God said. In verse 6, God said. In verse 8, God called. In verse 9, God said. In verse 11, God said. Verse 14, God said. Verse 16, God made. So let me ask you, who is the main character of our story here? God right? God. God is the main character of the story. And what we get then, and I want to focus in on verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. You have God doing something. And my first point here is that God does things with authority. God's the main character and he does things with authority. You see in chapter one, God is the only one dictating or saying anything. No one is adding any additional commentary on what God is saying or doing. Nobody is sitting back and saying, well, according to my observations and based on my experience, God, this is actually creation. And nobody's there. The angels are not chiming in. I'm not even sure exactly where in here they were created, but I mean, I, I have some guesses. We won't get into that. But, um, you know, they, they're not sitting back going, well, well, God, yeah, you know, I like, I like the whole sun thing. Maybe you should do two, though. I don't know. Hey, right? Two would be good. Two's better than one. Uh, you, you don't have any other input other than God. So what I'm magnifying or trying to, to uh, bring forward here is that God is the sole authority in this story. And so as we face the arguments, as we face the culture, our foundation for facing those arguments that come at us is God is an authority. And if you always go back there, you're going to find a comfort zone and a place that uh, you cannot be moved from. 
Put your feet flat on the fact that God is an authority. They may have their opinions. They may have their, their ideas. They may have their experiences. Um, they may even have uh, certain things that are convincing to you. Oh, oh yeah, you know, I hadn't thought of that. Well, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. But the fact is, if it doesn't align with God, his authority, his word, then it's not really a valid point anyway. And that's where we need to go. Right? Basically, I'll sum it up like this. He alone is sovereign. He alone is sovereign. If you think about it, God walks into this creation boardroom like a CEO. And if you've ever been in this kind of situation, or maybe you've seen it in the movies, maybe it's a, a political uh, series of some kind, if the president or the leader or the CEO walks in the room, there's something about his words that carry much more weight than anybody else's. Yes? Right? If the CEO, you know, there could be this argument, here's accounting, they give their input, here's uh, over here, here's this argument from marketing, oh, well, it's going to create this, you know, we're going to have this deficit, and it's going to re- result in this impact on our stakeholders. But when the CEO says, this is what we're going to do, there's nothing else said after that, right? Well, one bold guy might try to interject some argument, and maybe that's okay, but really it doesn't stand, right? The point is, when the CEO speaks, that's it. That's what's happening. And so God speaks with that authority, like, multiplied by a thousand, right? Or Ten million or a billion. I can't even begin to describe it. God's authority is far above that of anything in this world that we can see around us. And so in Acts 17, uh, 24 and 25, I have this little note jot right next to this verse. The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. And I, I think my main point, I'm, I'm putting 24, Acts 17, 24 here, is that the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, is a statement by Paul when he's speaking to um, the Areopagus. When he's directly confronting the culture around him, he starts with this argument that God made everything and he is Lord. So all I'm suggesting there, I believe, is is that Paul argues uh, from the same position that I'm presenting to you this morning, that God is creator of all things and therefore he has authority. Okay. And, and I want to think also in, in light of his authority. I don't know if you ever thought of this. I, I, try to, I try not to go too deep into these kinds of thoughts. But have you ever thought about the fact that God could have not created at all if that's what he wanted to do? I mean, that, that's an interesting thought. He, he was self-sufficient. He didn't need man. He, uh, he doesn't need temples uh, made by man. He doesn't need man's hands to serve him and to take care of him and carry him around or anything like these false idols. He's God, and he was self-sufficient completely, and he could have chosen to do nothing at all, and he would have been perfectly right in doing that. So again, just up underneath this idea of God's authority, his sovereignty, God could have done whatever he wanted, um, including doing nothing at all. But also, you know, to that point, he could have done anything else he wanted to do. Okay, so we look around this creation all around us, just, just consider it. The mountains, the valleys, the trees, the birds, the sky. 
God could have done whatever he wanted with it. He could have caused the sun to rise from one side to the other or the other way. He could have done as he chose. The sun rising in the east was God's design. He could have chose to rise it from the west if he wanted to. A, a bird you know, could have swam and, and a cat could have flown. Because if God wanted to create it that way, he could have. That's the kind of authority. I'm talking about unchecked, absolute power uh, and absolute authority in and of himself, completely sufficient. When I read God saying, you know, let us make and, and creating here. But in verse 26, he, he says, let us make man in our image. And that's how God chose to do it. Let us make man in our image. There's a proverb that says, uh, God made everything for his purpose. Anyone remember where that is? God made, he made everything for his purpose. Maybe you can find that one while we're thinking through. But I do know Colossians 1, 16 says, all things were created for him, uh, through him, and for him, right? Colossians 1, 16. God is the sovereign Lord. That's the first point, okay? Second, I want us to see his power. Uh, then God said, I'm still in that little statement, then God said. First, the, the, the fact that God said and, and all these things happened around that shows his authority, right? That's first. But secondly, then God said emphasizes his power. It emphasizes his power. Now, his authority, I'm going to dissect that from his power. Although his authority is derived from his power, I want to put the power over here and just look at it for a minute. His power, he spoke, and all things came into existence. He spoke. 16.4 was that he created all things for his purpose. For his purpose, not someone else's purpose. Yep. But his purpose. Thank you. So he speaks. He says, and things are. Now, I don't know about your home. Maybe some of you guys have your home in a better state than mine. But sometimes I speak and things don't happen. Yeah, I, have, I have sovereign authority in my home. I mean, I, I'm the ruler, but I speak to my children and sometimes it just doesn't go the way I imagined. And then I'm, you know, 30 minutes in talking about, you know, repentance and about the gospel and discipline and what, and how did I get here? Well, I mean, because while I have authority, I don't necessarily have the power to change their hearts, do I? I don't have the power to, to change their minds, although if I had it, I'd use it, but I, but I don't. And so I simply take the time to influence and to instruct and to train. But God, far different from us men, God speaks and things happen. Throughout the creation account, what you see is a stark contrast from man's experience with God. Let me, let me explain it this way. When God speaks to creation, the birds and the fish, then they do it like that. When God speaks to the water and to the light and the heavens and the, the expanse, when he speaks, then it all responds with perfect submission. Yet when God speaks to man and says, honor me, worship me, glorify me, man does not respond that way. 
Now, that, now we're getting too far into our story, right? Because we're still back here at the beginning. But God's power, God's power is still on display in how he makes man. When he speaks, then it, it happens. And it's that simple. He doesn't have to uh, strive for it or, or struggle for it. He's not breaking a sweat trying to create. God just does it. Aren't these glorious things to meditate on and just think about? God created all that is, everything, with no more effort, less effort, than it takes us to blink. He simply spoke. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. By the word, not, not, you know, not gone be this idea of some, you know, mythological God holding, you know, the world on his back, trying to, you know, straining to, to keep everything in order. No, God upholds it all by his power and he's, he's perfectly in authority and he has absolute power. And, and I think another aspect that emphasizes his power is that all this time, God was using no materials. When I build something, and maybe I'm not the best example, let's find someone who's better at building. Like maybe, like, so when Reese goes to put something together and he's going he's gonna to build something up in his attic and, and he's got he's to back his truck up and he's got a bunch of stuff in the back of that truck. Kids, what's in the back of that truck for his building? Huh? Wood, sure, wood. Maybe some tools, some nails, right? He's got a bunch of stuff there that he's going to use, that he's going to actually put together this creation of his with these materials. But, but we don't read in Genesis 1 of any materials to begin with, right? In the beginning, God, not God and materials. In the beginning, God. It was God alone. And so uh, this power to, to create out of nothing. There's a fancy Latin phrase, but I'm not fancy or Latin. So I don't, <laughs> but to create out of nothing, right? <laughs> there you go. Thank you, brother. Yeah, God, to do this, it just amazes me. And ought to amaze you too. He did it out of absolutely nothing. And, and by faith, we understand, right? Isn't that Hebrews 2, right? By faith, we understand that God created uh, everything out of nothing. We, we have confidence that God did it because really, quite honestly, it takes more faith to believe that anything else happened besides just that account. To think that, you know, some things were already there and then he kind of caused, it. people teach this, right? Not, not just this evolution all on its own, Big Bang and all that, but that God somehow was using materials and things that were already there and kind of caused and helped evolution along and, and was developing it and, and designing it. No, God just did it out of absolutely nothing. And this is believable because when we look at everything that there is, and see, if I wanted to do a certain project, say an art project, I have art supplies, Right? If I want to do a building project, I have building supplies. If I want to do a business project, I'm going to have to get business supplies like, like a computer and, and some spreadsheets and a calculator and tools and things like that. So I'm going to have to be specific about the materials that I get. But look at the vast diversity around you. 
and help me understand which materials go with the mountains, but which materials go with the sea, and which materials go with the animals, and, we, and which materials go with us, mankind, and we'll get to that. But it's amazing when you think about it. God created all of this around us out of absolutely nothing, the same material, which is nothing, no material. So then God said, let us make man. Okay, so I think I've emphasized, hopefully you've picked up what I've put down here, God's authority and God's power. Kind of simple, but I think helpful for us as we face the culture around us. We want to magnify against any argument and every argument, we're going to subject them to Christ, right? Every argument, every philosophy, every idea, subject them to Christ. We're going to do that if, if all else fails by going right to God's authority and God's power. Because those stand and are, are declared by the handiwork all around us, right? Psalm 19. Right. So let me go to that one real quick here. All right. The heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaim his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech nor are there words whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out through all the earth and their words to the end of the world. So let's talk about making man in our image. Making man in our image. What does that mean to be made in God's image? Let's go, open floor. What does that mean? There you go. That's right. So I think that's in uh, Genesis 5, Adam's descendants, right? Um, when Adam had lived, uh, verse 3, uh, Genesis 5, excellent point, because I think it's a very uh, good picture for us to understand this statement. And I think the, the close context helps us know this is exactly what the author meant, right? He's using the same phrase just a little later uh, in a scenario that's more tangible for us so that we can grasp the eternal and the invisible. That's helpful. So uh, Genesis 5 Verse 3, when Adam had lived 130 years, he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him Seth. So what does it mean? Because, I mean, that kind of answers the question, but now let's dig in deeper. What does that mean that Seth was in Adam's image? Let me ask this. Does it mean that he was an exact copy of Adam? No, it doesn't mean that, right? I mean, my boys look kind of like me, but they're not exact copies, thank goodness. Um, so, <laughs> what, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's, um, if you look at man and, and who we are, even in a, a fallen state, there's an image of God, and, and there's verses that, that we could go to to support that, that even, even as fallen man, you know, James, James would argue in one place that um, the image of God is still in fallen man as well, although terribly marred, still the image of God. And so we can look at man and his faculties, his, his abilities, his intellect. Uh, let's try and uh, dissect them here this morning just, just for the sake of discussion, right? Let's talk about intellect. And when God thinks and plans, this is far beyond anything man can do, but man also thinks, plans, considers, comes to logical conclusions. Which dog... Have you ever met that came to a logical conclusion? Have you had a dog come to a logical conclusion? Of course not. Of course not, right? Um, which, uh, you know, you see, there's a lot of comparison, man and apes, and that's all fine and good. Okay, you can compare them all day. But I do not see any apes holding a philosophy of ape kind, all right? But yet you can go to any college and you can find classes and courses studying man, considering man, everything man has done and thought and, and said. I mean, it's amazing that the depths of, uh, I don't know if you call it good or bad, but there's depth there for sure uh, that you can dig into. But you don't see that with the animals, do you? No, of course we don't. Uh, now, there's also aspects not just of the intellect of logic and, and academics, but also the creative intellect. How many of you are like painters, artists, musicians, right? Many, I'm sure. So, so you have this creative intellect that God is giving you. Have you ever seen a rabbit just going at it on the drums? No, I, I don't think so. I don't think you've seen that. Uh, or, or perhaps like a uh, I don't know. You could go on and on. I won't, maybe we won't go there. An elephant, right? There's a cute little kid's book I was thinking of, uh, an elephant that uh, paints a picture and um, you know, gets frustrated and then talks to his friends, learns a moral. That's great. But, uh, but the, the elephant painting, you know, it's great for a kid's story. But do we see that? No, of course not. We don't see animals exercising creative ability, uh, not in the way and to the degree that man does. Um, so uh, what other faculties? What else about man? That's good. Yeah, does the physical body have any relation to this statement made in the image of God? Now, God is spirit. God is invisible. We know this. But, but certainly there, there's something about the body that represents or uh, has a, an image of, like Seth being an image of Adam, right? Uh, a representation of God. I like that a lot. And I, I don't think we should go over that. There's uh, too many times we jump to the super spiritual and we skip over the physical. And I think it is important to, to stay a hold of that too. That's good. What else about man, his faculties, his, what, what else does man do that is uh, the, in the image of God? Hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. Right, right. I mean, we may see a dog, you know, showing compassion at a hospital, right? Uh, uh, one of these care animals, and that's great. But uh, it doesn't compare to the, the compassion and care that a human being can show. The way, uh, certainly we see a, a mother animal, a mother deer, taking care of her fawn, right? So we see that, but not in the way a mother cares for her children. And, and so that compassion, that loving kindness, uh, and then also the, the righteousness, the judgment. You don't see a court for, for the koala bears, right? You don't. You just don't. You don't see lizards. All of these make great kids stories or fun movies, but you just don't see. In fact, that's why it's so comical and funny, because the world is painfully aware that we are extremely different from the animals. And this is important, going back to my main point here, to our cultural standing when we're arguing with the world. We are different than the animals because God made us that way. So we're not animals to just be thrown away before we ever exit the womb, right? And in fact, for animals, that would be cruelty. There's a verse about boiling a young goat in its own mother's milk. And I figure that has something, although I don't know a lot about what it means, has something to do with animal cruelty. And just don't, don't be terrible to animals, let alone human beings, right? Uh, we are different than the animals. We didn't come from the animals. We didn't, we didn't develop from animals. We, we think above and beyond animals. Uh, absolutely. The compassion, the, the moral, moral thought as well. Okay, what else? Are we missing any? Is there anything else we can scrape out of this? Notes would have helped, right? <laughs> That's okay. We'll do it together. Man. What else does man do? All right, and we'll say we've exhausted that for now. We'll come up with more while we fellowship. Okay, so then moving on, when we look at let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, I think it's important that we say uh, this about God's image. And maybe this is another one, right? We can just put it in the category. But specifically in context, the image has something to do with dominion and, and rulership. And, and that flows right out of the whole point, in, in my opinion, and my current understanding of Genesis 1, among many other points, is that God is sovereign and in control. And so then he makes man in his image, who he also places as a sovereign in control of certain things. And so uh, he sets man over the garden, right, to have dominion over it. And this is a reflection of God's control and dominion over all that he has created. And so you see, let, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. And in the image of God, he created them, ma- him, male and female, he created them. I think this is important too. Because here you have um, God creating man in his own image, and he created them male and female. And like I said, in the first page of Genesis, you have a, a direct cultural warfare with, with every idea that's floating around, just about every major hot-button idea that's floating around out there. And so God intended man, and he, he created man, uh, human, right, human, as male and female. 
male and female, with specific genders. Why is that important? Anyone want to take a, a stab at that? Why is that important? Amen. I don't think I can say it better than that. That's, that's it. Yeah. I, I don't know the full scope of, of where you dig into. You got the three persons of the Trinity who, by Scripture, clearly have distinct roles and functions, right? Um, and, and how that relates to the marriage and the male and the female having unique, specific functions. Um, but nonetheless, I think it's there. There's some connection there uh, for us to dig into at another time. So. All right, so God created, he created with full authority, he created with perfect power, and he created man in his image. And all of this ought to give us a standing, I believe, in the world. When we go to face uh, the arguments and the, um, the attacks, we call them that, right? <laughs> the attacks on our God, on our faith, um, go, to, go to Genesis 1 and find it find you a resting place there a place to put your feet even if just for a moment and then uh, i encourage you ultimately to get to the cross because this whole beginning here uh, was not intended just for the sake of of a nice story about the beginning of all time right like just a mythology story so we know where we came from but rather it is the stage being set for God's redemptive purposes, even before a fall even occurs, is God's perfect plan laid out. And he, he lays out his plan for redemption with, with these things being at the forefront of focus. God is sovereign. God has power, all power. And he made man in his image. And from there, we flow into the gospel. A sovereign God who, by his power and in his love, sends Christ to die for sinners like us and then be raised by his power on the third day, right? And to then ascend and sit at the right hand of the Father to rule forever over all things, God and man. And so, uh, yeah, overall, just take this with you. If you take nothing else, God's authority, God's power, and made in man's image. You take that with you, you're going you're gonna to have some tools in your tool belt to face some arguments. All right. Any questions or any further discussion on it? What do you think?
Yeah, so, I mean, that's where, and some of these, and that's probably maybe more what I'm referencing, not so much the, the attacks where, like, oh, yeah, that's a standard position of the Catholics, or that's a standard position of the, you know, this, this certain uh, religion, um, but rather these kind of, you get some strange things, and then people, they digest things in their own way, and then they communicate them in their own way, so you get some very strange things coming at you, and you say, well, Okay, that's fine, but let's just go back and read what it says, right? Uh, God created man in his own image, and this is how he created them. Um, the, and God is alone has the authority and the power to create, and this is how he... Can you think, like, if uh, you, you, God's a potter, right? We learned that over in Romans, right? Can you think, and, and we did this event with the kids where they, did the, they had some clay, right? And you make this clay, and you shape together this, uh, this dolphin, Right? Here's a nice dolphin, and you put it on the plate. Wouldn't it be the craziest thing if that dolphin turned to you and said, well, I'm not a dolphin, or, or you didn't create me, <laughs> or, or, or if that dolphin tried to do something that you didn't actually, that would be very strange, right? If the dolphin leapt up off the, the paper plate and started moving around. Well, you see, that's your creation, and so you have the, the power over it, the authority to call it what it is. And uh, if we just get down to that basic level from Genesis 1, uh, all those other, you know, oh, actually God is this way. and It's like that, that clay telling me I'm also a dolphin. I'm not a dolphin. I'm a human. I just created you. That's the silliest thing I've ever heard. Uh, and really, that, that's, a, that's all it is. That is all those, those arguments are. I don't know if that answered your question, but. Kind of silly. Right. Yeah, absolutely can. Yeah, Genesis three fifteen. Right, you go right there and. There's the, the, you got creation, curse, fall, and a, a promise of hope. And that's, that's all it is, right? It's, it's super simple, yet uh, so beautiful and complex. <laughs> what are the thoughts on, what, what did I overlook when we talk about God, his creative work, his, his power, creating us in our image, creating us in his image? <laughs> I don't, I 
destroyed it yeah it's a good point it's a good point there's a yeah that the only part of god's creation where he says it's very good right <laughs> he says good 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 very good and then we to your point we took it and, and destroyed it and so i guess uh, isn't there a verse and i can't remember where it is um I thought I was over in Ephesians and looking for it here. But see, in Christ, right, we are we are now having the effects of the fall reversed, positionally, immediately reversed, and then over time, until we are glorified with our glorified bodies and with Christ, we have this progressive uh, change in which we are being made into the image of Christ. And I, maybe that's the part we didn't really talk about when we say we're made in the image of Christ. I think we touched on it with the Jeremiah text, right? But this aspect of being uh, made with a, um, a sense of morality and righteousness. And now in our fall, in the fall of man, we lose all of that, right? But then in Christ, you have the effects of the fall being reversed and the image being restored. And that, I think that's what you're probably, probably saying. I'm just echoing like, what you shared there. But, yeah, and you know, it, it goes there uh, because that, that's the whole flow of the, of the scripture, right? Always pointing to Christ. And, but yeah, in Christ, and where, where's that verse? Where, where's that verse on being created in his image? And here's, and maybe this is the one I was thinking of in Ephesians 4, um, that we are to, to uh, verse 22, to put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires, and to be renewed in the spirit of your minds and to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. Maybe that's the one I was thinking, but there's another too, isn't there? Colossians 3.10. Yeah, and having put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that great, right? We, we know that the, our image, when you, it doesn't take long to look around, right? Man using his creative abilities to do wickedness. Man using his intellect and logic to, to create vast plans and schemes of evil. Man using his, even his physical strength and might to do atrocities that can't even be spoken here today. Yet uh, Christ in his mercy and in his power comes and God through the power of the Spirit actually takes that image of the most vile, of those who, like myself, who have completed the most wicked of, of ideas in their mind, words in their mouth and actions in their activities, and takes them and renews them and presents forth Christ, the image of Christ, a renewed image, the image of God, right? So, amen. Okay, anything else on that? That's good. That's good, isn't it?
No? All right, let's pray. Lord, I do thank you. So thankful, full of gratitude for a body of believers who do not need milk, Lord, um, yet don't uh, balk at the simple things either. Uh, the basics of, of our salvation are certainly the foundations. Um, Jesus Christ, the cornerstone, being our only hope and um, who we look to this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word that can be opened up, that is sufficient for arguments, even for simple people uh, to be able to argue against the most academic and uh, those who are so studied in the ways of man and in, in worldly wisdom, Lord, uh, I thank you that you are a Savior, you are a Christ who does tear down those uh, strongholds and, and prove folly, all the wisdom of the world. And thank you for the account of creation, Lord, that we would know with certainty what specifically historically happened, Lord, and, and that we have that confidence and we can look there and and be sure of, of your truth and of how you created with just a word and how you also, uh, just as you said, let there be light in the very beginning. You are a God of that same authority, a God of that same power who does speak in our hearts, saying, let there be light in the midst of the darkness, causing us um, to see you, uh, to love you, to desire you, Lord. Would you uh, stir up that desire here this morning, cause us to long for you and to love you more and more, as we continue in our worship of you, as more of your saints come in fellowship, Lord, uh, would you be with us? Would you be near to us? Draw us ever closer and nearer through your word, through your worship, through your prayers and, and your praise, Lord. Uh, draw us ever closer to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.